What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. What's up everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. You're tuned into Unified, which is our show where we talk about real people making a real difference in the lives of others. And we believe that God does use real people, meaning people like you and me, to make a difference in this real world that we're living in. Uh, Once again, I've said my name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church. Be sure to check out our website, which is nextlevelfreedomchurch.com for more information if you're looking for a church home. Today, we have a special guest in the house I want to go ahead and get to. If you remember on last month's podcast of Unified, we talked to Eddie Street. He is actually back in the house with us today, but we also have Miss Melinda Street. You guys want to go ahead and say hello for the... Hi. Hello. (laughs) What is going on? I'm glad to be back. (laughs) Eddie's back in the house. You may remember his voice from last month. Today, though, we're going to be talking about Melinda and her testimony because I found out when she visited this weekend that she's actually from Romania. But I'm not going to tell her story. I'm going to let her do it. So, Melinda, wherever you want to start, just you can start sharing and we'll go from there. Awesome. So, yeah, I'm originally from Romania. It was a communist country. So, like, my grandparents lived during Ceausescu's reign, who was a dictator, and they wanted to flee the country. So they actually, like escaped and like had to go through like underground tunnels and stuff like that and ended up getting caught somewhere in Russia and being put in prison and they escaped that and eventually they got to the United States and my mom it was my mom's family that did this so she wanted to come out and visit them so that's how we first made our way out to the states and while we were out here she really liked it here So we went back and she ended up wanting to come back. So we came back, I think that was in 1990 and stayed out here for a while. We ended up going back in 91 where my sister was born, actually in Hungary. They went to the next country over just because it was better than communist Romania. And after she was born, we ended up coming back and staying. I want to ask real quick before you go to, how old are you? During all this that you're talking about, how old were you in this um, time? The first time we came out, I was probably four, yeah, three maybe, because me and my sister are four years apart. Okay. So, kind of gives them an idea where you were at as right. a child. And yeah, I was a little one. So, yeah, so we came back sometime after my sister was born, and we ended up staying out here, and that's when my parents like marriage kind of pretty much crumbled and it was not a it was really messy just a lot of neglect and just constant fighting and nobody getting along and just being pulled between parents and houses and just really tough stuff so um when i was about i think six or seven my dad decided that he had enough 
of just watching his daughters being neglected and not having a stable house to live in or anything. So during one of his visitation nights, actually visitation days, he had asked permission from my mom if he could get us a little bit earlier than what the setup time was. And so after church, he was able to take us and instead of going to his house, we actually went straight to the airport. And I remember once I figured out like what's happening that we're at the airport and mom is not around, I started panicking a little like, where's mommy, what's happening? And he just said that, oh, she'll be, she'll, she'll be behind us or she'll be coming soon, but. So this time you're still four? You're still young? This time or? I'm, we're four years old. I was probably seven, I think. Seven years old? Yes. Now, my other question I want to ask real quick, because obviously on this show, we try to let you know out there that even though we may have titles as ministers and Christians, per se, or believers now, was your household actually a Christian household at this time, or was yeah, it... Yeah, we were all seven-day Adventists. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. All right, so now he has taken you. Mm -hmm. He said he was just going to take you to his house for a visit. Yeah. And you end up at the airport. At the airport. Seven years old. Yeah. Freaking out, wondering where your mom's right. at. So, was, okay, go yeah, ahead. I'm seven, and my sister was three at the time, I believe. So, yeah, so I just remember getting on the plane and screaming and crying bloody murder because I don't know where my mom is. And I just remember the steward is being really nice and trying to give me coloring papers and, like, pencils and stuff to try to calm me down. Did she ask any questions? Was there any questions from anybody why you were throwing such a fit? Or they just assumed this is your dad? And I'm... I think she might have asked, and I don't know, I was so young that I don't really remember. So nobody knew you were being kidnapped. Right, They no. just thought you were having a bad day. Yeah. And, okay. Okay. So, yeah, so we get to Romania, and obviously Romania was a third world country, so we actually lived in a small village on a farm. So we had, like, all the farm animals, chickens and stuff, which was fun, but... Yeah, the whole time I was in Romania, I never heard anything from my mom. I never got letters from my mom. Just no communication. Like, she pretty much disappeared off the face of the earth, so... So where were you before Romania? I must not have... Maybe I didn't catch it. Was you in Hungary at that time? No, we were living here in the States. Oh, you were here. Okay. In California. Okay, so he took you back to yeah, Romania. He took okay, a, okay. Yeah. So I thought maybe he was taking you... To the states but then when you no, said Romania, yeah he took okay. us back home to his parents so he literally kidnapped you and took you across yes. the world yes and you had no idea where your mom was no. at. no okay go ahead I'm, i didn't want to interrupt but i wanted no. to clear it up let me ask a question you said that you didn't have any contact with your mom do you think that she wasn't contacting you or maybe she was trying and he was hiding it from you possibly did you ever ask that or learn anything about that no i'm not sure i know that when it was the other way around later on and later on in the years, once everything somewhat settled down, I had found letters from my dad that I never received that my mom was keeping from me, but I never found letters from her that my dad kept from us. So, yeah, I don't know. But So how did your mom end up figuring out where you were at? Because she didn't know, right? I did think you... she knew right off the bat. Okay. Because later on when I talked to her, she did say she called the cops and stuff like that, but nothing could be done because... Now, was she in California? Because I know you yes. had some roots there. Okay, so she was in California yeah. at the time. Right. Okay. And so you were in Romania. How long were you apart? 
from three years three years hadn't seen her no. talk to i'll mm -hmm. bet you were scared at <laughs> seven years old yeah 10 by the time right well the older i got like with no communication from my mom it didn't really bother me anymore just because i thought well she must not really care i guess or i don't know it didn't really bother me because i loved living with my dad like he treated us good like my grandma and grandpa were there my cousins were there we had all these animals so i was pretty much living the best life possible for so seven, this was eight. a familiar farm this was a family farm yeah you ended up on okay so it wasn't totally strange you oh, no. kind of knew where you were at yeah okay but you just didn't know that your mom right didn't i just know. yeah <laughs> okay go ahead so so yeah we that's how we grew up and then while we were in romania my grandpa's side of the family they would pop up here and there because they most of my family is still in romania just my mom and her mom and her dad are in the states everybody else in our family was in romania so they would pop up every now and then come visit us randomly and which i thought was kind of odd that they would be coming to see us but not my mom mm. not knowing all along that they were devising a plan so three years after i get we get to this romania i was going to school one day and i just had this really awful gut feeling like something's about to happen and i remember asking my dad because in romania the schools were upstairs i remember asking him like please come upstairs with me because i just have a bad feeling and he's like no just go you'll be fine so i get upstairs and there's a lady waiting for me at the end of the stairs with a walkie-talkie and like as soon as I got up to the stairs she's saying stuff in the walkie-talkie and she comes up to me and mind you I don't remember how my mom looked I don't remember anything about my mom so this was a legit stranger to me and she just came up and she's like hi like how are you I missed you and like it's a now that I'm a mom it just you have an instinct like you know in your gut that it's your mom but recognize wise i didn't recognize her at all and she's like oh we're gonna go to the park and we're just gonna have a good time i already talked to your teachers and they're fine with it and mind you this whole time me and my dad would always talk about if anything were to happen this is what you're supposed to do and this is what you're supposed to say but in the heat of the moment all that goes out so what did okay i'm just going to back for just a, what was your dad telling you did he say anything about your mom or was he telling you something maybe negative about your mom or he didn't really talk negatively but he would always prepare me just in case she came back or if somebody came back don't go with them and this is what you're supposed to do and say so that they can't take you but so she's pulling a reversal yeah on what he's already done right but in your mind he hasn't told you I mean, I guess you said three years later, mm -hmm. I mean, you've pretty much forgotten everything, yeah. but the, the questions you were asking, he wasn't giving you any answers. He, you just knew that yeah, you didn't just, have a mom anymore. Yeah, I, and I didn't really, I don't even think I really asked questions. I knew not to ask questions. Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So, yeah. So, she comes in and she's like, we're going to go. And so, we get in the taxi that's waiting for us downstairs and my grandpa's in it too and that's when i saw that they're the ones that were talking with the walkie-talkie when we go down the street to my sister's i think she was in pre-kindergarten or kindergarten one of the two so we go there to try to pick her up and luckily she she was running late that day so she wasn't there and my mom's my mom ended up like we need to go we just gotta go so we left without my sister 
and that kind of relieved me because at the time I'm like well if this is gonna happen to me my poor dad at least he's gonna still have my sister so you're 10 right and yeah she's six well she, I was nine you were nine okay uh -huh. so she would have been about five or six yeah somewhere in there okay so of course, we don't go to the park. We go head straight for the border for Hungary. And at this point, I'm like going over my head like, I know this is what's supposed to happen. And this is what I'm supposed to say. And I'm supposed to panic and whatnot. But I was scared because I don't know. I just, I knew some, this was not supposed to be happening. And I just panicked and I was scared of what if they hurt me if I do what I'm supposed to do. So I didn't do anything that I was supposed to do that my dad pretty much instilled in me. So how did she convince you to, or did you just not ask questions and go with yeah, her? Yeah, I was just scared. You just had a feeling it was your mom. Or I, you I knew it was sure. my mom, but I wasn't sure. I don't know. how. It was just a weird feeling. But you were so afraid. You yeah, just went ahead and just went. Just fear. Just. So we go to Hungary and we actually stayed in Hungary. I think it was two weeks before we ended up coming to the States. And the whole time we were in Hungary, my mom and dad communicated on the phone. Somehow, I don't know how, my dad figured out what hotel we were staying at. And they would talk every day. And I remember the one day specifically, my mom was on the phone with him. And I heard her telling him like, don't even think about coming to get her. If you even come anywhere near us, I'm gonna blow your brains out. And at that moment, from that day on, I've been mortified of my mom. Like, how can you say something like that in front of a nine-year-old? Like, my dad was my best friend. Like, I love my dad so much. She's telling him that she's going to blow his brains out if he tries to come get me. So that was really rough. We'll give her and a chan <laughs> chance to gather herself again. But while she's doing that... This just lets some of you know, I know some of you listeners out there, maybe you've had a good childhood, maybe you've been a Christian your whole life, but this may, you, there may be someone, and I know we've got listeners all across the world, I know some in Europe and India, different places, and we've got them all over the nation, you may be listening out there, either maybe you can relate, or maybe this has made you realize that, you know what, I've not got it so bad, because now a nine-year-old, like she just said, is dealing with a woman that she's she thinks is her mom not sure but she just had a feeling this was mom talking about blowing her dad's brains out which I'm sure upset you yeah. and I mean she was crying now so I know she was crying when she was nine so uh, what happened at that point are, are you ready yeah okay so yeah so ever since that day I've been scared of my mom like we're okay now but I still think like oh god what if she's gonna hurt me or whatever but anyways so I just knew to just listen to her and, and obey her and don't pretty much don't make her mad because if she's willing to blow my dad's brains out what is she gonna do to me so after the three weeks we've finally I think and I think the reason we had to stay for that long is because we had to get like the green card papers ready and whatnot to cross the border the international borders so we got our paperwork and we made it to the united states and that was in 97 and i've been here since 97 and of course my sister wasn't with me and so i just thought okay well since my dad took me for three years maybe after three years i can go back to him again maybe they'll just play this 
game, then maybe they'll be fair with it, but obviously not because we're still here today. Um, Have you seen your dad and sister since? Yes. Oh, you're getting to that. Okay, yeah. don't let me interrupt you then. Sorry. I was so just checking. So this was in May that I came to the United States. And in October of that same year, my mom just disappeared, which I thought was weird. And I kept asking, like, because we lived with my grandma again, this time with my mom's mom. And I asked her, like, where's my mom? Like, I haven't seen her in, like, days. And she's like, oh, she's just going to school. She had to go somewhere for her school because she was going to cosmetology school at the time. And I thought, okay, well, that's kind of weird that she would leave and not say bye. But I guess I'm used to it because I didn't see her for three years. So mm. what's a few more days? But it still kind of hurt my feelings. Well, after about a week, I think, is when... We got the call, she called my aunt to tell her that they got my sister and they'll be here like the next day, I think. And that just crushed me again. I'm like, oh no, my poor dad, like this is not good. So I you're assuming at this point they have kidnapped your sister now mm -hmm. and done the same thing they did with you. Yeah, come okay. to find I'm not gonna say, tell her testimony, but her story is actually worse than mine. Mm. And they had to come through Canada because within those three or four months that she took me, the, all the laws changed. So they had to smuggle her through Canada or whatnot. But yeah, anyways, I was just really sad for my dad. and But I was happy to see my sister, of course, and just worried to make sure she's okay. Now, how long? It's been only a few weeks. Yeah, I came, I came in May and she came in October. Okay, so, so it's been months. Yeah, okay. a few months. Okay, okay. So she gets here and we're all together, but at this, I'm just thinking about my dad still because, like I said, we were like two peas in a pod, like he was my best friend. We would talk on the phone every now and then. Every time we would have phone conversations though, somebody, either my mom or my grandma, were on the other line, like listening in. And if he said anything wrong, they would automatically hang up, like we didn't get to say bye or I love you or anything. So that was always really stressful. You didn't get to talk? Did you get to talk to him at all on the phone? Um, A little bit sometimes, unless they got into it before I even got to get a mm. word in. So you're a kid who's being fought between parents. Mm -hmm. And I, I know this is backtracking a little. Was there a reason that your dad... Was there something your mom had done, I guess is what I'm asking, that made him want to take you away? Or um, is it just, it was just things that just didn't work out? She, this is the way I remember it. I just remember her being really neglectful. Mm. I know. I mean, I, I know she probably tried to do the best she can, but she was neglectful. Like I remember going to school one day with a nail in my shoe that my dad ended up finding. I remember my dad always coming to school and like sneaking me an orange or some kind of food so that I'm not hungry and... Well, this is before all that. Yeah. Okay. So that's why he took us because he saw that we were just being neglected. So he was working and maybe and was seeing this. Yeah. He was. Yeah. Okay. And like we were always the last ones in school. I remember being at school once until almost nine o'clock at night and my mom's excuse always was, oh, there's traffic, oh, there's traffic, which mm. even then I kind of knew like, no. That's, For six hours? <laughs> yeah, that, that makes no sense. Yeah. But. 
Well, I don't want to, I know we kind of jumped back, but I'll let you get back to where we were. I just wanted to back up because I didn't know maybe if that was something they were fighting yeah. about or just to kind of tie it all together. So we're back to your sister is now being brought. Mm -hmm. She's not arrived yet. Well, she arrived. Okay, she did arrive. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, so every conversation we would try to have with my dad, they were listening in on it. So this went on, I think, until 2000, 2000, 2001 when my dad finally got his visa to be able to come out to the States. And I was super excited to see my dad, but at the same time, by this point, I was kind of nervous because I realized I got older and I realized that he was kind of controlling. Mm. So I was kind of worried about how that's gonna go because I already changed a lot of how I was when my mom took brought me. Kind of like what happened when he took you. Yeah. Your life changed. You adjusted. Right. And then here he comes again. Right. Or and she came again. Right. So they're kind of bouncing it back and forth. Yeah. We were, looking back, me and my sister have always been like chess pieces in their little sick game. But mm. anyways, so in two, I, I think it was 2001, he finally came and my mom actually, I convinced her, let's go pick my dad up from the airport because he didn't have anybody else to and I didn't want my dad out on the streets because I still loved him. Mm -hmm. So we went and picked him up and the whole ride home, they were at it again like really bad. At one point my mom even threatened to throw him out of the car. And so here comes all my stress and anxiety like mm -hmm. with my from my parents. But we ended up dropping him off at some hotel that we found him that was actually like less than two miles from where we were staying at the time. But we weren't allowed to tell him that because we were. my mom didn't want him kidnapping us again. Mm. So keeping secrets now. So yeah, that was, that's how my dad got here. And- He's still here now too? Yeah, eventually he ended up finding, going living with his cousin in Arizona, which is where he is to this day but yeah every time we would we would get to go see him I think we saw him once or maybe two or three times while he was still in California but every time we had to have like a chaperone kind of just making sure that everything was going smooth almost like uh, supervised visitations and at this point I think I was maybe 14 so that was kind of weird but he made it to Arizona, and I'm still in California with my mom, and they're still not getting along, just fighting all the time, and me and my sister being pulled back and forth. So obviously I was not happy with my home life. Mm. Fast forward to like when I was in high school, um, that's when Eddie comes into the picture. Uh, <laughs> e man. Actually, let me back up because I forgot oh. one, one part. Eddie is still in the house, for those of you wondering. Yeah. He's, still, he's sitting here quietly, so uh, <laughs> better just, say hey, then we some talked about you now. I'm just here for moral support. Yeah. He's here to listen, so uh, you won't hear much, but right. he may say something in a minute. I'm backing up a little bit while we're still in California. When I was 16, uh, yeah, 16 my, cousin, my cousin lived with us too. She ended up getting her permit, and so for Christmas we decided that we wanted to go Christmas shopping since we can finally go by ourselves and nobody wanted to let us take any cars but being the rebellious teenagers we are we ended mm. up stealing her <laughs> mom's car not knowing that the brakes didn't work well uh oh and so we're driving 
and this car pulls out in front of us and we swerve and pretty much lose control and my cousin says that she heard a voice saying let go let go of the wheel and I remember her letting go of the wheel and I'm thinking what are you doing and literally the car drove itself down into a parking lot and we parked as straight as humanly like I've never I haven't even parked this straight and I remember thinking like what in the world just happened mm. and we turned the radio on and Phil Joel's song comes on that, and it said God is watching over you and if you think he'll ever leave you you better think again and at that moment God was so real to me like that's the moment that totally proved to me how faithful God is and how he's always by your side no matter what you're going through now I'm gonna ask a question that's gonna seem a little off but whose car was it were they listening to Christian radio and when you turn it on it was just there or it just happened to it be? it just happened to be on. okay because Phil Joel is a Christian right. artist so that's why I was wondering yeah. you were rebellious teenagers yeah, right. I didn't know no, if you I think it. we were listening to Christmas music or something oh, okay so yeah that was so God took control of the radio right gotcha. and the car or the angels whoever did right. it right and so. the car okay go ahead and to make things even crazier Today, when I was discussing with her whether or not she can give her testimony, in our car today, I have a playlist with about 50 or 80 different Christian songs, and the one that came on when we got in the car after church today when we were talking about it was the exact same song she just talked about. Wow, God telling you right, to do this. Somebody right. needs to hear it, huh? Right. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt, but that's I thought that was strange. Just It was a Christian song yeah. like, out of nowhere, so... Cool. So, yeah, so you're so, sitting here in the parking lot. Christian song comes on. Yeah. God's real to you. That's where you kind of left. So go God ahead. God is really real. So my, yeah, my dad moves to Arizona. I'm still in California. I'm not happy with the home life. And my mom at this time had another, she, she claimed at the time that it was, they were just friends, but they were obviously boyfriend and girlfriend or even married for all I know, because she always had a ring on her finger. But anyways, she would always every Friday leave me and my sister to go see this guy so that's when I would get online and at the time we had this thing called Zanga which is kinda like the Facebook for today just an online journal and I would just go on there and like vent a little or whatever what year is this? 2003 yeah probably around there yeah. you were at Lee I was right? at Lee yeah. Okay. Yeah. 2003 yeah. Okay. So, and then I would just randomly look through other people's profiles, and I saw this guy, who's Eddie, liked a Christian band that I liked, so I commented on his thing, oh, hey, I like this band too, that's kind of cool. So we just randomly started talking, like, not looking for anything, but he was, uh, at the time, going to be a pastor at school, and I needed help with all my family life and stuff, so he would help me through some stuff. And we started talking, and we were talking more and more, and it's the time that To Catch a Predator with Chris Hansen was a big deal. So at first my mom knew that I was talking to this guy, and he was helping me with, like, my spiritual life and whatnot, and it was good to vent and stuff, so she was cool with it. But then the show started airing, and all of a sudden, like, it wasn't cool anymore, and she had to... She freaked out. She took away the internet cord. So I had to hide it. And then once Friday would come around, I knew how long I had. So I'd hurry up, hook everything up. We, he knew too that this is the time slot we had to talk. So yeah, we ended up talking for like two years. I think I was 
at the end of my 16th year when we met, right? Right. And I was a sophomore in high school and like we started noticing that one thing was leading to another, but because I was underage, we're like, all right, if we're still talking like this when I turn 18, he'll come out and visit me. Yeah, plus at that point, especially with the internet thing, there was tons of people you would meet, friends, you know, and everything, and you didn't know, is this real, is it not? This was a new right. thing for us. So I wanted to wait a year also to see if, are we really talking every day? I was fine with it. Of course, my friends at school would be like, oh, what if this is what happened to my friend? And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, well, what if my mom is right? Like, what if this Chris Hansen thing is true? So I was really nervous, but I played it played it off cool, I think. <laughs> so he came and met me and it was fine. I was, I was good. And so he came back and we had a few months later, well, my senior year, he came back out. We ended up getting a marriage certificate and pretty much eloped and got married. By the way, disclaimer, I don't recommend doing this. Uh, I wanted to be the good Christian guy and talk to the parents, but from what she was telling me about the situation, that wasn't an option. Mm -mm. And so again, looking back as a, almost a 40-year-old man, I kind of found some ways that maybe I could have did it better or stepped up and took charge of the situation more. But at the time, I was a young kid too. And, uh, you know, as, as someone who has kids now, that scares the heck out of me. But, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I also knew that I was in love. And if I just stopped talking to her, I could lose her forever. She was in California and I was in Illinois. So I knew I couldn't couldn't let her go at that point so yeah we eloped I nobody knew um actually I think my sister mm -hmm. yeah my sister obviously knew but I swore her to secrecy like don't say anything to mom because I not only feared what she might do I was worried if she called my dad and he found out what he might do so yeah because when we got married you stayed in California because you still had a semester of high school left right. and I stayed in Illinois so we were married yeah. and across the country yeah. One night I ended up slipping and told my cousin who was like, we grew up like sisters and I thought she could keep my secret, but of course she couldn't. She ended up calling a family meeting Christmas Eve night, I think it was, yeah. and spilling the beans to the whole family, which was not a pretty sight. So yeah, everybody's freaking out, but that's how they found out about my, my marriage. Okay, so you're married, but you're at home during this family meeting. This is while yes. the six months or so you're apart. Right. Okay, okay, so that makes sense then. So you're there like, oh no. Right. <laughs> and you knew your past. Mm -hmm. your, your mom tended to be violent, and you said your dad was controlling. Yeah. And so you had that in your mind. Right. You're 16, 18. Yeah. At this time, I'm 18 now. Yeah, we, we got okay. when she was 18. 18 years old, and your cousin has just spilt the beans. You've had a family meeting. Yeah. <laughs> And, and actually, this was a blessing, from my point of view, this was a blessing in disguise. At first, it was very scary because, again, I can't do anything. I'm in Illinois. I don't know if her dad is going to, you know, beat her. I don't know if her mom's going to kidnap. I, you know, I'm only hearing things about, I've never met them yet. I'm only hearing things about them from her situation. And as you've heard already in this interview, it hasn't always been positive. Right. So I'm worried about her. I'm worried, you know, are they going to come and find me? You know, what's, what's going on here? But this was a blessing for us because then it forced 
her mom to give me a call and get to know who I was. Whereas before it seemed like that was not gonna be an option. It was just a hard no, I don't wanna get to know you, you're probably some crazy person on the internet. Because again, kids, the internet was new back then, it was a scary mm -hmm. place. Yeah. So now I got to start talking on the phone to her mom, giving a dialogue. I got to apologize a little bit for the way things went. And it, from my point of view, it actually started getting uh, a lot better from there. She was, although obviously her mother was very upset, she quickly, from my point of view, became accepting and trying to find a solution. Okay, now this happened. Now where do we go from here and how do we make it better? Yeah. And I forgot a part while we were still dating. I had gone to visit my dad in Arizona. At this time, like we didn't have to do the supervised visits anymore. So I was by myself with my dad in Arizona and he's a truck driver. And one night, he ended up snooping through my purse and listened to my voice messages and found a message I had saved from Eddie. And mind you, he doesn't barely speak any English, so he listened to my message and thought that the message said something totally different than what it really said. And he ended up calling me upstairs and beating the life out of me and pretty much told me that he was going to take me home in my coffin. And this is your dad? Yes. Oh, wow. So, okay. so yeah, um, that's when it all became real to me about how abusive and controlling my dad is. Of course, I'm shaking. Luckily, he didn't live by himself. He lived with a cousin. So that night, his co my cousin his, uh, took me away from the house for a little bit and I ended up sleeping in her room because I was scared to death. Like my dad just pretty much told me he was gonna kill me before I got back home to my mom. I think I remember you and I talking about some of this as she's telling it. Maybe I, mean, I was moved yeah, away at the time living you know, up north, but we might have still been in yeah, contact with so, Cause time. I remember you were afraid for her. Yeah, and... again, this was not the ideal situation. This is not what I wanted. I couldn't protect her. Here I have a new wife. Uh, you know, a few months later after this conversation she's talking about. And it's just, I want to be the good Christian man I'm trying to at the time. And this is not the way you write your love story. But what do we know? We were young and mm. we were in love. Yeah. So I had to somehow get back to California. And so I braved it and I drove all the way back home by myself with my dad in the semi. And of course, the whole time he's calling me every name in the book. Mind you, he's been married four times at this point. Uh. And just with what I've told you, like his life has not been perfect either. Like with his daughters pulling him back and forth between continents and stuff. So I'm thinking like, you have no room to talk. Like I haven't done anything half as bad as you've done. But anyways, I got back home and obviously I'm black and blue and I just told my mom, oh yeah, I just ran into a wall. Like, I'm still protecting my dad because I'm still a daddy's girl. Mm -hmm. And of course, DCFS is called and involved and blah, 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 but nothing, I protected him all the way. Um, so nothing ever happened with that, but yeah, so we get married. I graduate high school and then I finally move out here to Illinois and we were married for 10 years. Obviously it didn't end how we, both thought we would end up but we're still here and we're actually we had two kids I promised myself that I would never put my kids through what my mom and dad put me and my sister through like like today I'm in my 30s and to this day they're still fighting 
like cats and dogs and we're still chess pieces in their game and I just see what it's doing to my sister like it's not affecting them at all it's affecting me and my sister so I promised myself I would never do that so me and Eddie are co-parenting like we still do everything together we're pretty much still like a married couple but we're not on paper and <laughs> that's what she was getting at a minute right. ago when she said it didn't end like they thought so for those of you who didn't catch that they are divorced mm -hmm. themselves but they're still doing i mean everything. you're here together right. i mean you brought the kids he spoke at the church right you guys still are doing everything together so that's what they're getting at they're trying to make sure that for the kids, right. they still have a relationship right. with both parents, right. and I think that's commendable and respectable yeah. for that. So yeah, I, mean, like, I come from a divorced family, too. For those of you, I might be able to share another testimony some other day. Uh, very, a very broken home, as well as she did, with parents that you had uh, you know, a tough situation with. So I know what it's like to be torn apart and to live in all these different homes and raised by grandparents and raised by parents. And I never thought we'd get a divorce, and she might not have ever thought that, too. But, I, you know, who, who can explain these things? These things happen. We wish it wouldn't happen that way, but it did. But where do you go from there? Right. You know, in the first year, it was pretty tough. We still saw each other twice a week, maybe, when you drop the kids off here and there. Mm -hmm. We'd start seeing each other more and more at ball games and school events. I think one time after a, a ball game or something, I think I just invited her. I said, hey, do you, wanna, you guys want to go get something to eat? Me, you, and the kids. And I figured she'd probably say no because, again... It was a tough divorce. It's all, divorce is always tough. There's always hurt feelings. You feel like they hurt you. They feel like you hurt them. And you're both right, unfortunately. you Unfortunately, right. you usually do hurt each other, especially when you're a young married couple and you're still maturing. And so, yeah, so I invited her out to dinner one time and we went out to eat and we saw, okay, that was comfortable. We got along. We didn't fight. And from then on, I would go out and do stuff with the kids when I'd get my time with the kids. It's a joint parenting. So you get them some days. I get them the other days. But I always started inviting her when I'd have them on the weekends. Hey, we're going to do this at the park. Do you want to come? And I think the first three or four times she said no. I think it was very important to her to establish her own life and her own identity. She got married out of high school. Right. You know, so she's discovering who she is on her own. And I'm still trying to you know, let go of, of the marriage and the relationship and trying to figure out, okay, now what is this? How do we become friends? Is there a chance we're getting back together? Is that anything that I might want? Is that something she might want? Very confusing time. But what we did know is that the kids, we wanted them to be happy. Mm -hmm. And luckily they did seem to be pretty happy, but you never know really what's going on right. in the kids' minds. I remember my daughter, when she started school, every day she'd come home and she loves art and she would draw me pictures. She says, here's a picture of you and mommy. And it would be a picture of me giving her a rose. And so I could tell that it was still breaking her heart. She couldn't understand why doesn't mommy and daddy love each other. And it just really drove home the, the fact that she needs to see us together. She needs to see a happy family. And at that point, like I said, we were getting along pretty well. I kept inviting her things. She finally said yes. And now we're kind of going on a little uh, Saturday at the park, and that went well. Uh, a couple months later, I, I said, hey, do you want to go to the store together? Can you go shopping with me? And she wanted to go with the kids, understandably, and then something happened. The kids couldn't come, and we had to go by ourselves. And another step, we realized, hey, we can be alone together. It's totally comfortable. We're not going to fight. We're not going to argue. It's not awkward. Fast forward a year or so later, we're going on a family vacation together, you know, me, her, and the kids, to Tennessee. And pretty much every year, whether it's a weekend trip or, or a week trip, we do a vacation. 
We spend most holidays together. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the weekends, even though they're on my time, I've got them. She'll come over and we'll go out and do some at the park. So it's just been a, an amazing blessing. Right. Again, there's a blessing in the storm. The shadow proves the sunshine, which is one of Melinda's like life right. mottos that has helped her get through life. Through the divorce, through the brokenness, God has been able to restore it. And now our kids are going to see when they get older, hopefully they'll stay together in their marriages. Right. But if it doesn't work out, now they have an example of you can let go of your own pride. You can let go of I have to be right. I have to win. I have to be the parent the kids like. I have to whatever. We can let that go. Stop fighting and get along for each other's sake, for the kids' sake, and for the example of Christ. Yeah, and we actually get along better now than we did when we were married. Well, now there's no, now there's no pressure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For those of you who did hear him say that he had suffered abuse and things as well, you can catch that on October 25th at uh, Next Level Freedom Church. You can catch that message on our podcast or online as a video, and he talks about his testimony in that aspect. Now, the after-divorce testimony, I think that was the third thing he's wanting to get at some other time, but, uh, but today they... It's really quite amazing, and I actually talked to Brett about this as well, and we were like, wow, that you know, they're divorced, but it's almost like they're still together. They're still, right. they're still the parents right. of both and kids. Of, <laughs> and, of course, we get a lot of haters, like, what are you doing? Like, this is not normal. Like, Well, you your side are, gets the haters. Everybody on my side is cool. I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I think it's just guys that want to spend time with leading each other on. You're confusing the kids, but it's like, no, like, we're not doing any of that. Like, the kids see that, plus they see, like, we respect each other. We don't say anything negative about the other parent. Like my mom and dad still call each other names or like, well, mostly my dad, but, and like with the whole pride thing, how Eddie was saying, like my dad, he always puts his pride before his relationships. And it's actually now been a year since I have not spoken to him at all because he just, his pride is so important to him. And he, if you're not on his side, then you're on the other parent's side. And I just believe when you're a divorced family, there is no sides. You still need to be united for the kids' sake. So Yeah, she's always going to be my family. She doesn't have to be my wife to be my right. family. We've been connected for 15 years now. And we made, even before we ever got divorced, I think we had discussed that let's not be the kind of people that talk bad about each right. other if this is the way this is going to end. It, you know, I don't obviously know everything she says in her house. She doesn't know what I'm saying, but we can tell by the way the kids act around us that the other person isn't bad-mouthing each other all day right. long. And you see that so often, and especially even, even unfortunately, with, with Christian people in the church, we hear them talking bad about their ex-husband or their ex-wife right in front of their kids. Mm-hmm. And then they wonder why their kids don't want to see their dad or their mom. They're getting influence. Just as Melinda, from my point of view, I could, looking at her story, I could see how her dad was influencing her negatively towards her mom and maybe vice versa. They, it's almost like some of these parents want to manipulate. Mm-hmm. And my kids love their mother, and they see that they love me too. What good is it going to do for me to say, I don't like your mom because of this, or our marriage ended because of that? What good is that going to do? All it's going to do is hurt their feelings, make them cry. Right. Because then somebody is bad-mouthing their mother or somebody is bad-mouthing their father. So what I try to show them, there'll be times when I'll open the door for her. There'll be times I'll give her flowers. There'll be times I'll do things that normally a, a husband or a boyfriend would do. And the only reason why I do it is, one, to show her respect, but also to show the kids 
that even though you might not always get along with somebody, even though things might not be perfect, you can still show love and appreciation. And when you're in a family, it is important to show respect to each other. Right. And here's what I'm grabbing as you guys are talking. And uh, it's almost like, and I'm just looking at your faces because I can see them, you guys can't, <laughs> and watching you guys talk about it. It's almost like in the beginning, you met online. Mm -hmm. It was kind of rushed. You got married. Right. Now, it's kind of reverse of what normal people would have. Now, you're getting the chance to get to know each other for who each other is which is what normally you would see a person when they're dating someone, that would be right. what they do. So I think that's awesome. I'm watching your faces light up as you talk about each other. So I'm like, you know, you know, who knows what the future holds, but right. I'm just saying you guys, well, don't I'm, make watching, it awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just watching it. And I'm like, and as they're talking, I see it in their eyes. Like we actually get to know each other now. It's like, you know, before we kind of like, we got married, but right. you know, that was it. Then we got to know each other, which when that happens, a lot of times that can end badly because we don't take the time to get to know the people right. so i think it's awesome that you guys are still getting to know each other still talking still being parents to your kids and i realize for some of you listeners out there this is going to seem weird to you because it's like yeah. wait a minute her last name's street they're not right. married <laughs> you get to the end and it's like the bombshell but uh well what's crazy too is so i started going to her church about two or three years ago uh, I had my own church, and I invited her to come to mine. Again, just one, to, to try to, to mend the fences, to just show that we can get along. And one, because it's nice for the kids to see their parents in church with them. So I invited her to my church. It wasn't really my church. I just started going there. Again, it was comfortable. It was nice. She said, hey, next Sunday, do you want to come to my church? I think the kids were doing a play or something, or it was Easter maybe. I don't know. And I said, sure. I went there, and I realized that the kids had been going to her church more and they already had their roots. And although they liked the church that I was going to, again, I could have had the pride and said, no, they're going to go to my church. I have them on Sundays. They're my possession, whatever that game is. But I said, you know what? Would you mind if I start attending your church? Mind you, as the divorced husband, I don't know what she said about me in that church. She may have said nothing. Or she may have been someone that needed after the hurt of a divorce, she maybe needed to go to the pastor or other ladies in the church and let down her emotions and say, this is what happened to me. And I, I don't know. I'm going into a weird situation. But what I did know was this was best for the family. This was best for my kids. Mm. She said, she could have said no. You know, what if she wants to get remarried, wants to invite a boyfriend to church that, you know, oh, I got my ex-husband here. That's awkward. So she let down some of her pride and some of her guard and realized this is what's best for the kids. This is what's best for the family. And one of the reasons why I bring this up is two or three years later, there's still people in the church that still think we're married. Right. <laughs> and they, oh, wait, you guys aren't married? Oh, I thought you guys were married. Mm. And, and then they, like, they freak out. They say, wow, what a testimony to your faith in Christ and to what the power God has given you guys that we can look at you and not tell that you're not married because you guys are getting along so good. The kids seem to be so happy. And so I think that spark that you're seeing in, in our eyes when we're talking about this is just how unworthy we are and how crazy this is that God has blessed us in this way. Mm. That we, any hurt, any pride, we've been able to let go. And again, guys, guess what? We're not perfect. We don't always get along. Right. Sometimes we don't understand each other on text. It's, sometimes we don't like each other. <laughs> but we always try to love each other. That's one thing because we do God on the air us, a lot right? because a lot of people just want to assume that, oh, Minister Eddie Street or Melinda with her own testimony and being believers that, oh, they've always been believers. And today's story, I think, 
really proves, as did Eddie's, if you've listened to his on the last interview or his when he spoke at our church, you find out that everybody that's a minister, they weren't always ministers. They weren't always believers. They all have a story. And I'm listening to her story now, realizing, wow, <laughs> I really did have it good as a kid, you know? <laughs> but, uh, I mean, and I had my moments as well. I'm right. not saying it was perfect. But when we, you know, this is... This is really what the show's about, to be able to let you guys know that we all start somewhere. Don't think you have to get your life together and then come to Jesus. Because what happens is you come to Jesus first, right. then you get your life together yep. because he helps you. Now, I'm going to go back to you for a second, Melinda, because you mentioned that God became real to you. Mm-hmm. Now, at what point did you start attending Church and just become. Oh, I'm going hardcore into this. I'm going to be in my Bible because um, you sing. She's got a beautiful voice, guys. If I had some music, I'd let her sing for you on the air. She's got a beautiful voice. I've been you. listening to her sing this weekend, and she has got a praise inside of her that I watched. It's just as she sings that you know something had to have convinced her that this was the way she. So at what point did you um, surrender? I, mean, I, I guess kind of grew up like I said my whole life in the church. As the Seventh Day Adventist, most of my life, and then that day in the car when that song came on, that's when it like cemented that this God is really real, and that's kind of like when in my head I was going over like, holy cow, like look at all this stuff that God brought me through, and it could have my life could have ended up so totally different, but God, God's hand was always on me and in my life and I listened to his voice and he always brought me through that's why I love that that verse in that song that the shadow proves the sunshine like you have to go sometimes you have to go through hard things to realize how good you actually have it or that there really is a God that's watching over you and protecting you from anything in life Mm. but so yeah I was a seven-day Adventist and they're like really um they're more old testament believers Mm -hmm. so they're more laws and stuff so that just instilled like a healthy fear of god in me um but then eventually my mom took us out of that religion and now we're i'm pentecostal but i got baptized probably shortly after that car ride actually Yeah, yeah. yeah okay and so yeah so i've pretty much been in church my whole life Okay, so I just know that, um, and I'm listening, you're saying church your whole life, but I know you've went through a lot. So your mom and dad are always fighting. Mm -hmm. At that point, are you still going to church with somebody? Yeah. Okay, so was it grandma, grandpa, or just cousins? And my mom. Oh, so your mom did still attend Mm -hmm. church. Okay, okay, so that's kind of where I was kind of shifting, like, okay... So were we out, and then we got back in? Yeah, no, we always stayed in church. So you were in, Mm -hmm. it just, that's when he became real, which is really what it's about. It's really about... Having him become a part of your life. It's not about, it's never about us. It's always about him. And it was actually scary to me to think about if I ever left the church and I ever gave up my faith in God, like that scared me. Like he was the only constant in my life. Like my family came and went, my friends came and went, people came. The only constant thing was always God. And so in my mind, there was no way I was ever going to let him go or leave him. Like, I was always focused and set on him. So, right. yeah. Well, you know what? I know, and I know time's getting away, and I know you yeah. guys got to travel back to Joliet, so I don't, I don't want to hold you too much longer. But uh, 
maybe we'll get her back sometime, or maybe I'll have her come and talk at my church sometime herself. So or sing. <laughs> or sing. Or sing, because she does have an angel voice. So, um, but uh, I And appreciate... I always say I have the best seat in the house in church, because she's singing right next to me. <laughs> I heard her this morning while yeah. we were while we were worshiping, and I was like, wow. That's, I'm just listening. To, and it's kind of like there's another lady in our church, and she has got that praise in her, too. And you can always sense it when you're around a person that's a praiser right. or a worshiper. Right. And it's like... Don't ever lose that. Right. And I know you won't. No, I know. Because <laughs> I'm listening to your testimony, and it's like you just said, is it's pretty much the only thing that's kept you sane mm -hmm. your entire life. Right. So never lose that worship and that praise because it's in there. I can see it. So, uh, yeah. But I thank you, uh, thank you for, for sharing. Thank you for having me. Yes. So any last words you want to share with anybody before we dismiss the show? Just or? that there, if you feel like there's no hope or anything, like even with my whole life, I obviously have PTSD from everything, and now I have anxiety, which I can trace back to certain moments in my life. But just know that there is hope in God, and that even though He might let you go through some bad things, just keep your faith in Him and just seek Him, and He will protect you and bring you through anything and everything. So, you know what? I think I'm, I'm thinking of while she's talking and encouraging you. I think this is the most we've talked. Yeah, me and I Because because Eddie, when we first came, two thousand six, when you guys, well, you were married at that point, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So you were married, and he brought you, and we kind of met you, but we hadn't really met you right. other than for a few hours that night, and you had to go. And then you weren't with him last time he was here, and this time you're with him. So I'm I'm blessed that you showed up. So <laughs> if nothing else, I mean, you were more fun than he was. I'm well, like I told you, she's got an amazing testimony, and you would never know because she's like this yeah, nice, really quiet, yeah. sweet. You think, oh, her life's probably been, you know, fine. Yeah. But we all have our struggles. Never judge a book by the cover because we've all gone through things. For those of you that's wondering, I've known Eddie for 20 years, so I can joke with him like that. <laughs> yeah, so she was more fun to hang out with than he Even was. Even though we're divorced, she's still the better half. <laughs> So, all right, Eddie, you got any last words? Yeah, just, to, I mean, I'm a divorced guy, so what advice can I give? But uh, learning from my mistakes, I see so many times when people go through a divorce or go through a bad breakup, they're, all you ever hear them do is talk about how bad the other person was and blame the other person. And they, they want to share it with everybody. And it is important to find one or maybe two people that you can kind of vent and let that out. But you have to be careful not that to continue to be the story of your life. Because then you just keep making yourself the victim. What I don't see enough is people doing some soul searching and saying, okay, the marriage didn't work out. Yes, it's easy for me to see things that that other person did that could have fixed the marriage or could have been better for me. But what I don't see enough, and I think we need to do, and I want to encourage everyone to do, if unfortunately you go through a situation like this, question yourself. What did you do? And this is so hard because you want to blame them. My marriage didn't work because they did this and they did that. But what did you do? that you could have done better mm -hmm. and we are lucky that we actually were able to discuss that there was about a two-year period before we officially divorced that we could tell it was going down that road and we were trying to fix it and so we kind of opened up a little bit to each other and said hey here's some ways that i felt like you hurt me and and we share that and that's a tough thing to do to really let your guard down and be able to admit that and hear that and not then cause a fight and say, well, I didn't do that and you did this. Mm. It was just a real soul-searching moment. But then even after the divorce happened in that first year when we're not talking really and there's all those hurt feelings, to still look inside yourself and say, okay, I'm not playing the, the victim game. I'm not sitting here thinking, oh, Lord, what could I have done better? I need her back. But I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying 
if God ever puts us in another relationship, how do we need to change? Because we're still taking all of our pains, all of our hurt, all of our problems, all of our pride, anger, whatever it is we struggle with, we're taking that into every relationship. And if we don't allow God to, to get rid of that and, and correct those sins in our life, we're going to ruin the next relationship too. So always be willing to do some soul searching and stop trying to blame everybody else and figure out what it is you're doing because we all got our issues. All right. Well, thank you for those of you that's tuning out there. I hope you've been tuning in. Uh, like I said, if you want to hear more of Eddie's testimony, there was the interview we did last month in November and when he spoke at our church on October 25th. So you can hear more about him. Thank you both for sitting through this time and sharing. Uh, it's been a blessing to me, and I can't wait for those listening out there to hear it. So uh, those of you tuning online, thank you so much. Go ahead and check out nextlevelfreedomchurch.com if you have any questions about information from the church. There's also a contact form there as well. If you want to get a hold of me directly, it'll come directly to my email. If you're looking for a church home, make sure you give us a shot. That's it for today's show. God bless every one of you, and I will see you guys next time.